Hey, you guys, you're going to want to listen all the way through this episode because we are talking about the greatest night in pop and uh, the mistakes and great takeaways from this amazing event. And also how there are way too many streaming services out there and we should not be in charge of subscriptions. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, who out of the three of us, out of Kelly, Sharon and I, best used hair gel? Whether it's in the (laughs) 80s, 90s, 2000s, we'll try to figure it out. Enjoy the show, everyone. 90s Now with Kelly Alexander and Sharon Highland. Well, look at us. Hi, everybody. I'm Sharon. That's Kelly. That's Adam. We are set to take you down the 90s memory lane. Connecting the 90s and the now. (laughs) Is Uh, that what we do on the show? Every single time. Wow. I never noticed. It's precision at its finest. I'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) And at her shiniest, Drew Barrymore crossed into just another year, really, but her friends told her uh, what she should do to make it extra special, so we'll talk about that. Uh, We've got some new music coming from one of the late greats, which... uh, uh, it's it was surprising to me that it's been this many years since uh, since the passing of Chester Bennington, but we'll talk about what Lincoln Park has planned. Also, Kelly's trivia will reset your brain functions, <laughs> like you didn't know you needed them reset. And then we'll do a stroll down memory lane. Your '90s rewind will make you feel all better about partying like it's 1999. And you know what, you guys? The greatest night in pop happened about 40 years ago. So we're going to tell you uh, how you can go back. So I thought we should start there today. You down? Yeah. Absolutely. I've seen the documentary. Oh, same. I could watch it, I think, again and again. It was one of those things that, uh, first of all, greatest night in pop. So don't even bother anybody else because they did it. Yeah. Every person that participated in the uh, We Are the World recording session, which followed immediately the um, the American Music Awards at that time, which Lionel Richie was the host of that show. He was the co-writer on the song and co-organizer of this event, which I say, like I said, happened right after the awards show and then went all night long. Pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> all night Oh, yeah. So talk about uh, what a, like, I mean, we've heard this song for 40 years, right? We are the world. It was just, it was time for the U.S. to sort of get on board with with getting something done for famine in Ethiopia, following in the footsteps of Bob Geldof, who had got things started with Band-Aid, which we had uh, received in the November prior. So this would have been springtime. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, this was in 1985. So Bob Geldof was also on hand for the recording of this incredible song for We Are the World. Uh, what were your guys' takeaways from uh, from the documentary? Adam? Um, for me, and I feel like it was always obvious that it happened, but to see it in the documentary made it even more real is how they somehow managed to manage all the egos in the <laughs> same room. How do you keep freaking superstars in studio all night to yeah. sing maybe one line in a verse, to sing, to be part of a choir that it wouldn't really matter if you're not there. So how do you keep those people in the room and keep them entertained? And we could see how it wasn't always easy and how oh, yeah. there were some issues and it's crazy to me that they still pulled it off, and it sounded amazing. 
Yeah, and they really had put the crunch on themselves for uh, getting it done, right? Like they knew that they had to strike while the iron was hot. They were making yeah. the most out of the fact that the American Music Awards were happening in the same night and that they got people to agree to do it and then they had to follow through. Like even when they were getting people to commit, they still hadn't completed writing the song yet. Yeah, and they didn't so. even knew if, you know, the person said, I'm going to be there. Well, I'll believe in when I see you in the studio. Totally. And well, look like at like Eminem Cindy Lauper. One shot, t- one opportunity. <laughs> That's yeah. all they had. And Cindy Lauper saying, uh, my boyfriend doesn't think it's going to be a hit. Like, well, first of all. It all came down to that. I mean, it, imagine her boyfriend could have been right. You know, you never know. But even if he was like, of course, it was going to be a hit when you think but of then- all the players in the mix. But like. Who are you? <laughs> well, then what if Cindy <laughs> listens to her boyfriend and then Cindy doesn't show up and then the other one doesn't show up because Cindy didn't show up and then right. the other one and then it could have been a, catast- a catastrophic well, a snowball effect <laughs> where well, when, and nobody shows up. That's another thing too, right, Kel? The, uh, the Madonna not even getting invitation. Which is crazy. And it came down to... Um, one of the producers, right, say, like, in in the documentary, they have uh, the assistant to one of the producers saying, I wanted Madonna, he wanted Cyndi Lauper. And so Madonna doesn't even get an invite. And by that point, in 1985, in the spring of 1985, Madonna was was a superstar. Yep. So it was odd that she wouldn't have gotten an invitation. Yeah, and I don't understand why they couldn't be there together. Like, I don't think, is there some war of words between, I don't, was there? I don't. No, not at all. I think it must have just been perception or, or, you know, room, who knows what sort of, who was hearing what about whom, you know, like somebody made a decision though. Yeah, because I would love to see, actually, I wish I could interview Madonna and just say like, hey, how do you feel about this? Because I'm sure it bothered her. I would assume not getting an invite, especially when all these other people were there. It was, yeah, I think that's a bit bananas, especially because we know that Madonna will show up for these types of things. Because funny enough, it's so crazy that we're even having this conversation. I um, was looking for a clip to play on a show I'm filling in for this weekend on um, the one of the radio stations we work for. And uh, I found a clip of Madonna from 2005 at Hyde Park in London doing Live 8, which oh, was a Geldof thing, right? And I know that this one wasn't a Geldof thing, but he was involved. And so, like, for sure she would have shown up, you yeah. know? Un- and she did a, a great job singing Like a Prayer in 2005 at Live 8 and seeing all the people singing along with her. Um, I, I'd love to know what her thoughts were that she had to miss out because somebody didn't have the big picture in their brain and say, like, yeah, let's invite both of them. I'm sure we can have them both. Well, uh, Lionel Richie was on Jimmy Kimmel last week. So by the time you guys are hearing this, probably a couple of weeks ago now, and you can see the interview easily. Uh, it's Googleable, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and basically Jimmy Kimmel was putting it to him like, "Well, how come that didn't happen? How come you didn't invite her? How come?" And then finally, like Lionel Richie, he wasn't like scrambling for excuses or anything, but he was just sort of saying, "Well, this happened this way, this happened this way," and finally Jimmy Kimmel says, "You made a mistake," <laughs> and Lionel Richie takes it and says, "Yeah, we made a mistake." Well, that's all right. It happens. Well, I, you know what? I thought the, that was a great takeaway for, you know, it was a huge success. Mm-hmm. But to acknowledge looking back with fresh eyes on something that's 40 years old and something as significant as this recording 
significant enough to call it the greatest night in pop, uh, to admit that there was error, I thought was uh, pretty uh, humble. Something that I think was also actually falls along in the line of being humble, I think, on some level, is that, and I noticed this, I love how they show that Michael Jackson was the first person to show up to record and that he blew off the American Music Awards to be there. And I know that, like, 84 was his big year, right, for Grammys and, like, all that stuff because of Thriller. Um, And I'd have to look, but I'm assuming he must have still been nominated for something. You know what I mean? Maybe like single of the year kind of thing. Yeah, like I'm sure there was one single that might have been like later on the album that would have qualified and for sure he probably got nominated. Yeah. But I love that at that age, and Adam would have to quickly Google Google this, 1985, and and, because what he was born in 58, right? Yeah. Michael. So like he's already had so much success that he's like fine to blow off the American Music Awards. Yeah, and blow it off and... And still be able to keep the secret as to why you might have blown it off, why I can't come, because the whole recording session was not uh, public information. Certainly, word was getting out and people were starting to figure things out. But the idea that uh, it was as top secret as it was. And you're right. Talk about being at the top of your game. No, I'm not going to come. Yeah. So he had three nominations that year. Okay. Uh, He was nominated for favorite pop rock album with Prince and Lionel Richie. Oh, Prince wow. won that one with Purple Rain. He was also nominated for a favorite soul R&B album, again with uh, Michael and Lionel. Uh, wow. With Prince, sorry, and Lionel. And he was also nominated for favorite soul R&B male artist Wow, with, um, with Prince and Lionel. So, oh, Well, good segue, because Prince was a an interesting topic of conversation <laughs> from that night yeah. and throughout that documentary to the idea that he was invited... Uh, and probably would have come had they given him what he wanted, which was no contact with anyone. So <laughs> kind of missing the point. <laughs> Just Prince being Prince, I think even at that point, um, he knew what he needed for himself. But uh, but well, that wasn't going to happen. It wasn't the point of the whole thing. You know is- how Lionel Richie just admitted they might have made a mistake not inviting Madonna. Do you think if we could ask Prince today, did he make a mistake not showing up? Would he agree it was a mistake? I wonder if he ha- he would have had that um, level of, you know, if you if you even keep regret, yeah. you know, at that stage of your success. Because yeah. you I have to make so many decisions that you miss a well, ton of things, I'm sure. it's not a big mistake, but maybe he would say, you know, I made a mistake. I should have. I yeah, I wonder. Went. Yep. Would have been good. He, yeah, he's so far up his own artsiness. I'm not sure. Nice. He, <laughs> <laughs> not, I'm not sure if he would have known, but but that's the other problem too. And like Sharon and I, and I'm sure Adam, we've had this discussion too, where there's, you know, when you are uh, in a certain job or like industry where you do have notoriety, which we are in that as well, you know, um, on some level, mm-hmm. like I think you have to have awareness that like you're still a regular human. So mm-hmm. don't have this massive ego where you think you're just above everybody else. Like this was for a good cause. So suck it up and just do what yeah. they need and then go party or do whatever you need to do after. It's not about you. And I can't, it's really hard for us like or for me to take in that people be so far up their own artsiness that they, two wouldn't, two. They, they, <laughs> they wouldn't be like, no, I need to do this for the betterment of humanity because of the platform that I have. 
right. easier said for us than for Prince. Well, perhaps, but, but look who said yes before he did not. You're right. Right? You're right. Yep. Like, without question, Bruce Springsteen was like, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. Bob Dylan. Yeah. Stevie yeah. Wonder is like, Stevie Wonder is a great example of, um, check your voicemail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> he shows up, finally. He was asked weeks earlier to contribute and be a part of the writing of it. Shows up to the session and obviously the song is done. You've got so many moving parts that you had to give the people a cassette of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the song had to be done before that night. So he shows up and the suggestion, maybe we should put a, a part in Swahili is so that guy that just realized he sh- didn't check his voicemail yeah. and, and thinks, well, I got to put something creative on this thing and offers that. To which Waylon Jennings, country outlaw superstar, says, Swahili, I'm out. (laughs) And he leaves. I love that story. I love that he left. Like, because he was a guy that was like, this is not something that I can communicate to or obviously communicate, period. So, sorry, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, one thing too that I that it was a subtle thing that really stuck with me is how Diana Ross was so upset that the night was over. That actually yeah. stayed that stayed with me because I'm like she of all could be a massive diva, like meaning like she could be that. I don't know that she is that, but she could be that. And she was like sad the night was over. I thought that was very sweet. Yeah, everybody just seemed to be genuinely into it. You could see the people that uh, my favorite rock vocalist uh, Steve Perry, mm. who would get up there and. He did. I'm sure he did two takes just to be safe and polite, but I think he delivered it in the first one, right? (laughs) But sitting back until the whole thing is done and and sort of acting in a way of service to others to help them get where they need to be. We saw that Mm -hmm. sort of uh, tutoring come, which I appreciate because once you're you're done, you're done, right? Your crowd shots are taken, your pictures are taken, your everything was done. So just to have certain people reach their their mark or hit their mark properly, i.e. Bob Dylan was having a struggle trying to figure <laughs> out where where he fit in all this. And, you know, Stevie Wonder sort of piping in, doing an imitation of Bob Dylan to Bob Dylan to help Bob Dylan was just like, that's that's creativity right there. Mm-hmm. And a genuine interest in, in doing something good. So, um I loved it. I would watch this documentary again. And not just, I think it certainly hits for me anyways, uh, because of it was my musical sweet spot of my age at the time when it was happening, when the song came out. Uh, it was the enlightenment of people figuring out that there was like horrific conditions on the other side of the world, that this side of the world in all its 80s splendor and excess, that people could have done something to help in as much as it was as simple as going to buy a record. Mm-hmm. We we all felt connected to it. Yeah. By the way, a big shout out to Huey Lewis. I love him. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really cool. And dude. he looks amazing today. Like, he looks still great. Does he? Yep. I love it. And, and I who, was, who, who was, he stepped in for whose part? Oh, yeah. Who was it? It was, was really no, was good, it Al too. Jarreau? No. Because Aldro was, was overserved that night, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, okay. Of course, Huey Lewis was uh, because Prince seemed like he might have oh, shown right. up. Right. Yes. 
But then when he didn't, they gave his part yeah. to Huey Lewis to do a solo. Oh, and and that was, go. I mean, Huey Lewis wasn't necessarily going to be given a solo line, mm-hmm. but ended up getting one, but showed up anyways. Yeah. He too, Huey Lewis and the News were huge by 1985. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So they showed up on the merit of of a great idea. And you know what I ended up doing the next day? So I watched this on a Saturday night, and then the next day I had a bit of downtime and I kind of went down a bit of a rabbit hole because I, I know that there's many people that are no longer with us that were, you know, a part like of it. Like Al Jarreau. Yeah, Al Jarreau. And it was crazy when I actually read the list of how many people are not with us. Like even like for a second, I forgot that Kenny Rogers has passed away. Like I was like, right. oh, my God, he is like he's gone. Like and then Tina Turner. A bu- yeah. And a bunch of the Pointer sisters, too, like who were never yep. interviewed. And I realized, obviously, that I think two out of the three are gone. But I'm mm-hmm. surprised they didn't. Um, get in touch with the last one. And then I did feel bad for Sheila E. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I mean, it was her experience. I So we're commenting on something that we don't know. So she felt slighted that, A, she wasn't going to be getting a solo line. Mm-hmm. And B, she thought they were maybe using her to get Prince to come. Yeah, that's the part where I, if that was true, I do feel bad for her. If you don't get a line, not everybody got a line, so... Well, exactly. Not everybody got a line. And no offense, Sheila E., but you were you were new. Mm. And Madonna wasn't even invited. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I get it. You're there and, like, you're in it and you want to have a line, obviously. Yeah. And in retrospect, you know, she knows she was there. But it seemed to me that um, they had separate conversations going with Prince, you know, originally mm-hmm. and then it, through the course of the evening. So he might have implied that he might come, yeah. but they weren't going to empty the room for him. Yeah, no. And they shouldn't have emptied the room no. for him. Either you come and, and, you know, check your ego at the door, which was a sign that they had posted in that studio, yeah. uh, or you don't come. By the way, I also love that some of the celebrities drove themselves to this event. Like, it was yeah. <laughs> in those, like, 1980 uh, sports cars. They were amazing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing, eh? Yeah. And it was it was recorded at the A and M studio, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's have what you they se- said. Have yeah. you seen that documentary? No, but I need to because Janet's involved. Yes, you do. I don't know if she's involved in the doc. Did you watch it? But I, that's her. That was her home label. It's an she excellent documentary. Okay, and it really focuses on like like you know something like the greatest night in pop. That sort of really creative mm-hmm. uh, uh, atmosphere environment. And just the fact that they, they built, 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 but they were gigantic. It's mm-hmm. really good. I still think they have one of the best record label logos. Like yeah. The trumpet the horn. for Purple Albert. Like, it's so cool. I love that. And by the, and also, we've talked about this, and I know the doc's been out for at least two years now, but the Herb Albert, uh, sorry, the Clarence Avant Godfather doc. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that yet. But oh, my God. Sharona. I know. <laughs> you, mu- you must watch. Maybe- okay, I will do it. When yeah. she's calling you Sharona, you yeah. know, it's she means business. Yeah. Yeah. People right. listening right now are like, who's Sharona? <laughs> it's me. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Hi, but, I'm Sharona. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> How about this, you guys? We, we uh, tip our cap to the greatest night in pop and then get scared to be delivered some really challenging trivia. Ew. <laughs> 90s. <laughs> Now, trivia. Bing bong. Bing So we have the trivia cards, Fighting Salmon. Then we also Ooh. have a nice blue one. We'll start with the news and culture. Sorry, news and politics, because that's the that's the heady one, if you will. Um, oh, we will. Here we are. In 1990, 
Who became the first elected African-American governor of a U.S. state since the Reconstruction era? I feel like I know this, and I feel like I've read Barack Obama's biography, and I should know this, and I've read about him. In 1990, who became the first elected African-American governor of a U.S. state since the Reconstruction era? Adam. Go, Adam. Go. Well, it ain't Barack. <laughs> I love that's gonna, that. That's going to be my guess. <laughs> that's a, a form. That's no, the question. Was, the answer's in the form of a question. Well, it ain't, is it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was, he, it was later. I don't even think he was governor. Actually. Is this name familiar to you, Kelly? No. Um, <laughs> Adam, can you Google how old Barack would have been in 1990? Like 32, maybe? I don't know. Go, go, Sharon. Do you have a guess? Oh, my God. Uh, let's guess. Uh, uh, Clarence Thomas, even uh, though I know it's not true. Yeah. Douglas Wilder. So Barack Good for 29. him. <laughs> 29? Yeah, he would have been 29. Yeah, so not him. Wow. Um, I'm sorry and, and embarrassed to say that Douglas Wilder, but of course I should preface all three of us are not American. So we wouldn't be fully privy maybe to this. I just but... think you have the choice of cards at your disposal. <laughs> <laughs> You could pick another one. Yeah. No, but I, I did skip over one of the other ones before that, so I didn't because I think that was the th- remember there was yeah. So on this card, that was the throwaway question earlier where I we didn't count it because it was too easy, which was the Monica Lewinsky scandal involved with U.S. president. Mm. So I didn't want to skip. That's fine. I didn't. <laughs> we know that one. <laughs> too easy. Okay, we'll go the extreme opposite. Never heard of them. That's right. So, anyways, <laughs> apologize from us Canadians. Um, <laughs> Question number two from the pop culture card. So uh, Cameron Diaz and Matt Dillon split up shortly after filming which movie? Sharon. Go, Sharon. There's something about Mary. Good job, Sharon. Thank you. I would have not guessed that. Me neither. Congrats. Thank you very much. Uh, I was talking to my uh, co-host about a movie premiere that uh, his station did at the time <laughs> uh, that there's something about Mary came out and um, I don't think anybody knew what the movie was about or the, that pivotal scene, but one of the giveaways um, at the movie premiere was hair gel. <laughs> so little sample packets of hair gel. Nice. Have you seen there's something about Mary Adam? I have not. You should. And when you do, get back to us and you'll see why this might have been an idea that was not thought all the way through or it was thought through and somebody thought so through it not to tell anybody that that was the giveaway and why it was significant. (laughs) Yeah, because I feel like I'm missing a piece of the puzzle to understand the whole thing. Well, there's there's a scene and we're not giving it away, but there's a scene where um, the Ben Stiller character is going to pick up uh, the Cameron Diaz character for a date and there's a situation, and then he ends up. Uh, uh, well, I've just Googled Cameron Diaz hair yeah. gel. Okay, well, um, then you know, and we don't have then, to talk about it, and I don't have to do this dance anymore. Or yeah, then I can gestures. see what's going on. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's kind of funny, though. Oh, it's very funny. Okay. <laughs> very funny, but the, the idea was that they didn't know that this. <laughs> why, why there was hair gel to give away until they sat through the movie and went, Oh. <laughs> well, I think that's really funny. For sure it was thought through. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Sharon, back in the day, my sister used a pink hair gel called Dep. Did you use Dep? That yeah, also? for sure. It came yeah. in a tub. Yeah, in the tub. And then it came in a squeeze bottle. Yes. Oh, what a time to be alive. Yeah. I, re- I remember sneaking into a room and like using some and thinking I was the bee's knees. And by the fact oh, yeah. of me using that statement, we know how much I was not the bee's knees. <laughs> well, funny also that you put some in and you're like, okay, well, maybe I need a little bit more. Maybe I need a little bit more, a little bit more. And then it was like cement. Yeah. What time did Crunch. people stop using hair gel? Not soon when- enough. Because <laughs> I've used hair gel probably from... I'll go 2003 to 2006 or something. Well, I still I use like, hair gel, but I think that like as a, it's like a sculpting gel, right? So it yeah. helps when you dry your hair back back in the day of of a perm and <laughs> like a wet look on the curl yeah. or you slicked your sides down yeah. or you spiked your hair up in the front. That was super right in the heart of the 80s and it probably lasted Into I know my 90s. bangs just got bigger. Yeah, as uh, as yeah. the beginning of the nineties happened. Because I I actually should find um my grade seven uh school picture because mm-hmm. there was like <laughs> there was like bangs that were fully formed by pink wow. dip. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it was like precise with the comb. Like you could probably slice oh, yeah. pizza with this. Like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know we have winter here. Where we are. (laughs) So you had to make certain sacrifices in order to maintain your hairstyle, (laughs) which was risking pneumonia. (laughs) But it was worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny, too, because I look back and I see, you know, some of my younger family members now who are in high school doing what I did in high school. And I'm just like, save yourself the trouble. Put the backpack on both shoulders and put some boots on. (laughs) Close your jacket for the love of God. Because I remember when I was 13 and like people looked at me, like family members who were older going, you're going to regret this. You're an idiot. That was what their eyes were saying. You're an idiot. But you thought they were an idiot. So you didn't even see what they were thinking of you and they knew better. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Well, Drew Barrymore turned 49. So I guess any age is significant. You're supposed to celebrate your birthday, but yep. um, it's not like it's 50 or <laughs> 60, but, you know, 49. Um, and overall, the message that she got from friends was to keep shining. I love Thank that. Thank you, Drew. Thank yeah. you, Drew. You know what? Just landing on her show uh, during the day at any point, start, middle, end, whatever, she is pure of heart Mm -hmm. and you can tell that uh she connects with her with her guests she connects with her audience i've seen her someone from the audience tell her something and she's so uh wrapped in what this veritable stranger is saying to her and also crying with them Mm -hmm. and then hugging them at the end just because it's a moment that that she gave this person to have it was i don't even remember what the thing was but it could have been anything any day any time i think that's what she actually that's the shine that comes from within drew barrymore well it was funny because remember you got you guys were we were all talking about when the show because like the show i think was supposed to come out either just before pandemic right and then it anyways like i just remember them talking about how the audience tested with her because mm-hmm. she had to do audience tests before the network would obviously put the sh- the show through, and I remember being skeptical for a second, thinking like, "How is she not?" And like, I'm, not, I'm loving Drew, but just wondering, could she be able to handle a talk show? 
And mm, then, like, yeah. I'm such a stupid idiot because, like, she's amazing. Like, she's so good. No wonder she tested well. No wonder they continued to push through with the show. And it was interesting because I don't ever usually have a chance to watch her show. I wish I did. But the few times I've seen clips, I saw one where I think she was with Pink. And just like you described moments ago, Sharon, like, her and Pink, I'm pretty sure it was Pink, they were sitting together, like, facing each other on the couch. And mm-hmm. Drew was, like, zoned in and, like... yeah. They were so together on this. In, like, it was almost like we were watching a therapy session. Like, it was oh, really yeah. intense. Well, uh, interesting that the, I think the two celebrity takeaways for the ones that told her to, to keep shining were Jennifer Aniston and Drew Barrymore. Oh. Um, and Drew Barrymore told herself to shine. Jennifer <laughs> Aniston and uh, Reese Witherspoon. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, I think... And there's something about those two, too, I think, that they just get it. You can tell that they get it. Yeah. Yeah. Morning show. Watch it if you haven't. Uh, so- yeah. We finished it on the weekend. Did you finish it? Yeah. Oh, it's an- isn't it insane? Yeah. And I think that the fourth season will be the best. And I'm going to guess the final. I hope not. It's They're so good. I know, but they always get us. You know, yeah. They give us these great shows yeah. and they don't last forever, which is fine. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever. I get it. Well, yeah. I'd but. rather have that than the extra season nobody wants to watch and then ruins the whole thing. Yeah. Good point. But yes. Reese is uh, extremely smart as a producer, and so mm-hmm. is Jennifer. Um, yeah. And Adam, have you watched the show? I've watched, uh, I think, the first two seasons, or like oh. a season and a half. Adam, keep going. And then my Apple TV subscription <laughs> expired, Ah, yes. and I was too poor to renew it. I understand. Yep. But if you want to lend me, you know, give me your password, maybe I can... uh... I think I'm going to time out buying Apple devices to coincide with their new season. Yeah, you should. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And get that free trial right away. Do you guys watch The Bear? No, but I want to. Is it good? It is good. There's. Uh... I've started it this weekend. I've watched the first episode. Oh, cool. So I'm going to keep going. Is it on Netflix? What is it on? It's on... uh, It's on Netflix, I think, yeah. Is it Netflix or Paramount? It's not Paramount. It's no? Netflix or Crave, and I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's Netflix, at least oh, okay. here in Canada. Okay. Fair enough. Um, we just started the second season, so I think we're like five episodes into that. And uh, I, don't, I won't spoil it, um, but the episode where you meet um, his mother is quite something. Okay. All right. Like a manic energy that becomes like, oh, okay, I got to walk around. Like, it's so intense. Just to, it really gives you an idea of where they came from as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you know who the mother is, so I won't tell you. Don't do it, Sharon. But I mean, I think the internet could totally tell yeah. you that. <laughs> but don't look and just wait and be like, okay, here we go. Because in the first season, there was an episode. Have you seen the episode where... He goes to a meeting, an AA meeting. I've seen nothing. Adam? Nope. Well, Molly Ringwald is runs that meeting. Oh, wow. Okay. But there's that's it. Nothing, nothing throughout the rest of the season, which I thought, what? It's Molly Ringwald. How come we're not making a bigger deal of this? <laughs> Anyways, so that. But excellent show. Excellent yeah. energy. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a bunch of, like... All the characters have something going on, so it's worth it. Highly advise. I like it. Okay, you ready? Ready. Um, 
talked about, uh, we'll do a quick hit on uh, the fact that it's been seven years since we lost Chester Bennington. That's coming up wow. in July, that anniversary. Um, but now Linkin Park have included a previously unreleased song on their new Hits collection, which is available now. And pretty cool, actually, that uh, guitar player Brad Delson was talking about going through some songs and trying to consider what they were going to include. And they came on a song called Friendly Fire, which they had worked on. And it wasn't going the way they thought it would go. So they sort of shelved it for a little while. And then, you know, here we are. But um, he talked about the fact that they were blown away by the power of the song, saying the power of the storytelling, the power of the vocal, the sonic landscape. And he says, I actually thought that it was closer than maybe we had realized at the time. So compelling. It's on my list of things I'm going to be listening to within the next couple of weeks. Uh, Mike Shinoda of... Um, of Lincoln Park said, each song in this collection is both a singular moment in our timeline and an evolving story that is as much ours as it is yours. So message straight to the fans there. Uh, you'll find this collection available wherever you get your music. Nice. Dramatic Can't wait pause. to hear it. Yeah, really cool. It's uh, I, I love that notion that... Uh, that, you know, people work on tons of things at a time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, your record company requires that you put maybe 10 of those things on an album. But there's still a ton other, you know, that, that yeah. are unfinished business or somewhat finished business. And then you get to go and revisit them and go, whoa, that meant something. Mm -hmm. And then we get to get it. So that's exciting, too. I love it. Are you guys uh, ready for a rewind? Ready. Let's Kelly, do I, it, I, baby. Let's do it, baby. How about this? When Whitney Houston brought Faith Evans and Kelly Price to check in to the Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> that was something, right? That was super 1999. How about this? <laughs> that the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were back-to-back -back on the charts with All I Have to Give and God Must Have Spent a Little More Time on You. We know who sang each of those. Yeah. Um, the Goo Goo Dolls were singing a song I think that Kelly liked quite a bit called Slide. Slide it. <laughs> slide it. See, she loved it. I could tell. Oh, they were hitting their stride <laughs> with Slide. And uh, while Cher continues to grab fan votes on the Rock Hall website, uh, back around this time in 1999, she probably had made her greatest comeback of all with Believe. Which if I had a... An, a fan. If you sing yeah. into a fan, you can sound like Cher singing "Believe." By the that way, that was in 1999. Yes, she had two singles, for some reason right? I thought it was a bit older than that. You better believe it. She had two songs, though, right? It was "Believe" and <laughs> what was? The... It's just like she's here. <laughs> <laughs> what was the second single? Because "Believe" and there was. Oh yeah, she had two. Adam, hey, find fast that fingers. Because that was basically auto tune number two. That's true. Yeah. I'm looking to see because there was two Believe came yeah. out and then she dropped another one and they both did like I think Believe did better obviously but I think both were... <laughs> how about that <laughs> it's like I want your autograph <laughs> I don't blame you <laughs> Adam's not uh... finding it but there was two singles for sure for sure. Was well, it, I'm a, looking was at it the on the cassette of, single? <laughs> list of Billboard Hot 100 number ones of 1999. Oh, am I looking at just number one singles? Yeah, no. that's what I'm doing. That's yeah, yeah just, that's just type share or like go to share singles maybe for the 90s. and Because uh, it was believe. And people right now that are listening and watching us are throwing screaming. things. Screaming. They're screaming. 
We <laughs> apologize. No, that's not it. No, I said we apologize. Oh, yeah, we for, do apologize. Um, <laughs> uh, it would have been strong enough. That's it. Oh, yeah. Because then she had all or nothing at the same time, but it didn't chart as well as no, strong, strong enough. Because strong enough and believe are pretty similar. If you believe that you're strong enough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so strong enough is the one you were uh, we were <laughs> yeah. looking for. Yeah. And uh, I need to do a, um, a little correction. Um, I have not watched The Bear. For some reason, I've I've mixed both shows. So The Bear and Beef. So Beef is the show I started watching on right. Netflix. The okay. Bear is not on Netflix. Beef so. has Ali okay. Wong, right? Like, she just won an award. I think she won yeah. a SAG award for that. Okay. I think uh, The Bear is Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it is. Uh, I don't have that streamer. Which is what I meant when I said Paramount Plus. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> uh, by the way, you should get Paramount. I have it. And anything from Taylor Sheridan is basically amazing. So basically okay. Paramount is all Taylor Sheridan. So, Well, now we know. Yeah. Well, that's I, it, you guys. That's it. That's enough. We're wrapped. <laughs> that's enough out of us. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this uh this uh, riveting conversation. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate making the connection with uh, with you and with 90s now still happening.